Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. We're in Acts 12 initially, and then into Acts 13 this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that by the Holy Spirit you will shine light upon your word this morning so that for every single one of us we will see what you want us to see from your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. There may be some things that the Lord wants you to see and other things that he wants other people to see from his word this morning. So I'm going to read from Acts 12 about Herod's death. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. He had been quarrelling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Just going to finish there. Just, just briefly on this short passage. This Herod, because there are three Herods that are mentioned in Scripture, there is the Herod, who is known as Herod the Great, and he is the Herod who tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby. That Herod was the one that the Magi went to and gave him the news that the king of the Jews was born. And so that Herod, who was a nasty character, he sought to kill Jesus. That Herod's son is um, known as Herod the Tetrarch, and he's mentioned in chapter 13. But this Herod is son of Herod the Tetrarch, and he's also a nasty character because he starts to persecute the church. At the beginning of chapter 12, we read that he had James, the brother of John, beheaded. And then because he saw that it was politically for him a good thing to do to persecute the church because it pleased the Jewish leaders who were opposed to the church, he then proceeded to lock up Peter. And you know the story how, well, that wasn't in the Lord's plan. And because it wasn't in the Lord's plan, the Lord sent an angel 
to bring Peter out of the prison. By night, Peter thought he was dreaming or having a vision. But once he was out of the prison and walking down the road, he realised that it was real. And he went to Mary's house, who was the mother of John Mark, who we're going to hear a little bit about. John Mark was also the nephew of Barnabas that we're going to hear about this morning. So this Herod, who was son of Herod the Great, he had the people of Tyre and Sidon by the neck, if you like, almost literally, because he supplied their food. And they had had a quarrel with this Herod. And so before their food totally ran out, they decided that it was best to make friends with him again. And so they invited Herod to come and speak to them. And Herod, knowing that he had got them just where he wanted them, with his kingly robes upon his throne, stood to make an oration, to speak to the people. And no doubt he said something like, you people of Tyre and Sidon, I'm so glad that you have on bended knee humbled yourself before me to come to ask for your food supply to be restored to you again. And they, the people of Tyre and Sidon, to sort of respond to this proud king, said this is the voice of a god, not a man. And because Herod assumed that place of a godlike position and did not give glory to God, the Lord struck him down. Well, you see... The food supply of Tyre and Sidon was really in the hands of God because God has created an ecosystem that enables the fruit, the, the earth to be fruitful and to provide food for us. Do you realise that that is the case? You go to the supermarket and buy tins of this and packets of that and frozen this and frozen that and some fresh fruit and veg as well. But it's not the super, the supermarket is just selling it. It is God who provides it. Now, I don't know whether it is your habit to say thank you for your food before you eat. It has been always been my habit because that was how I was brought up. So if it's not your habit, maybe without it becoming just a, a matter of habit, it would be a good idea to say, thank you, Lord, for this good food that you provided for my life. Because as you know, it's totally necessary. I say good food, Graham. <laughs> Because very occasionally in some countries, you can have some food that's not so good. But it's good to see Graham here this morning, isn't it? 
So shall we say thank you, Lord? I want to say thank you, Lord, this morning that you have created an earth that is fruitful. I want to say thank you, Lord, this morning that you have created an environment in the earth that causes it to produce the food that we need. We give you glory this morning for the food that you provide for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Herod didn't give glory to God. And the Lord struck him down with worms. Or you could say maggots. Now you know worms are things that make the earth very fruitful. And without worms... God wouldn't be able to provide our food. Worms aerate the soil. Worms fertilize the soil. It would be a good study to do a study of worms. <laughs> yes, because God has made them in order for you to have your food. Bees as well. Things that we take for granted. The things that God has created. We give him glory for these things. So, Herod died, struck down by worms. That's ironic, isn't it? He was taking the glory for providing food and God struck him down with worm-like creatures that actually make the soil fertile for us. But it says the word of God continued to increase and spread. That's good. God had his vengeance, and vengeance is always God's. We're not to take our own revenge on our enemies who hate us. God had had his vengeance, but the word of God continued to increase and spread. And it says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, and chapter 11 of Acts reminds us of that mission, a prophet called Agabus had foretold a famine and so the church, because they recognized this man's ministry, they recognized that God was forewarning the church. They had gathered together supplies, money, and whatever for the saints in Jerusalem and Judea to be able to provide for them during that famine. And Paul and Barnabas had sent, been sent by the church at Antioch with these gifts. <clears throat> and uh, so Paul and Barnabas returned from their mission from Jerusalem, taking with them John, whose surname was Mark. John Mark was a, a relatively young man, and he was the nephew of Barnabas. And it says, in the church... At Antioch, and I want to stop there, just to recap slightly, because after the persecution 
uh, surrounding Stephen, the church was scattered. And it says that they scattered abroad and one of the places that the church went to was Antioch. And there were certain Gentiles who were from Cyrene and Cyprus, the place where Barnabas came from, who when the church began to be established in Antioch, they not only spoke to Jews, but they also spoke to the Gentiles. And it says that the hand of the Lord was with them, and many believed. (coughs) So this church in Antioch, it was multicultural. I don't like to use the word multiracial because the, the truth is there's only one race, and that's the human race. But there are different people groups, there are different nations, there are different tribes, different languages that people, different traditions that people come from. And so this church in Antioch, it was multicultural, multi-people group, multinational, and together they were one in Christ. They had a, a wonderful unity. But there were also varieties of ministries, not only varieties of people, but varieties of ministries. And although this chapter 13 mentions that there were prophets and teachers, there were also evangelists because it was a growing church. There would have also been pastors who shepherded the people and cared for them meeting their needs, looking after them. So this was a multifaceted church in ministry as well, but it particularly mentions prophets and teachers in this context. Because the Holy Spirit was going to speak to this church, and that's why it mentions prophets and teachers. And uh, they're named (coughs) Barnabas. His name originally was Joseph. And he was from Cyprus. He was a Levite. Excuse me, I'm just going to have a drop of water. He was from Cyprus, he was a Levite, and Barnabas was a nickname uh, because it means son of consolation or son of comfort. Last week we heard about a nickname um, that some people called Tim. Timbo. Now I thought that that's that's not very nice. <laughs> so I thought if 
If we were to have a nickname for Tim that was sort of in line with a good characteristic. (laughs) (coughs) Dear, oh dear. More water. I think it would be earnest. Because Tim is such an earnest person. You know, when he brings the word of the Lord, he does it with, it's, it's with earnest <coughs> and zeal and passion. So, Ernie... <laughs> Is there an Eric in the house to partner with Ernie? (laughs) (coughs) Because we're talking about partnerships here this morning. (coughs) Dear, oh dear. I thought I was over this. (coughs) I shall have to use the microphone a bit more. Right, so Barnabas, he's a Levite from Cyprus. He is priestly in his ministry as a Levite. And he is a son of consolation, of comfort. He's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says. So we can see that he's, <clears throat> he's got this nickname Barnabas. Because he is a comforter, he's an encourager. And he has a priestly ministry. Then there's Simeon called Niger, (coughs) Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene is North Africa in what we now know as Libya. So he may have been... Jewish, because there was a Jewish community in Cyrene. But on the other hand, he may have been native to North Africa. We don't know. Then there's Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. This is the middle Herod. And having been brought up with Herod, we imagine that he had some social standing, some status as, as far as uh, society was concerned. And there was Saul. Well, Saul was born in Tarsus. That's fairly near the coast of southeast, what we know as Turkey today. But we also know that he was educated in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamaliel, a leading rabbi. So Saul was someone with an excellent Jewish education. He would have also been educated in a trade, and we know that he was a tent maker by trade because Jewish boys were not only taught the scripture, they were taught a trade. And he is... An intellectual. 
He is someone who can present an argument. We know that from his epistles. And so he is more of a teacher. Barnabas is more of a prophet. And Paul is more of a teacher. So there is a contrast there. Because prophets are seers. They see things in the Spirit and by the Spirit of God. They speak the Word of God. And sometimes, as Agabus did, because God sees the future, God reveals what the future holds. And so the prophet can also foretell the future sometimes. Now, some people think that the Old Testament prophets were just foretellers, but they weren't. They also were exhorters. They were also comforters. They were also those who sought to bring the people back to God. That was one of their primary ministers, uh, ministries, although, of course, they did also foretell the future. Teachers are methodical. They study to show themselves approved, rightly dividing the word of God, as Paul tells Timothy to do. He says, study the scripture. Now, Paul studied the scripture in his education, had a thorough knowledge of Moses and all the other prophets. <clears throat> and when God saved him and the Holy Spirit shined his light on those scriptures, Paul could understand them the way he should have understood them, which was why he was able to go into the synagogues after his conversion and reason with the Jews from their own scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. And that's the ministry of teachers. Now, <clears throat> they were ministering to the Lord, it says, and fasting. In most modern versions of the Bible, it says they were worshipping and fasting. But I rather like the authorised version where it says they were ministering to the Lord because the Greek meaning of that word ministering is, was, was used of public servants who gave their time freely without pay to minister in some way to their society. So these were not professionals. They weren't professional prophets and professional teachers. They were men in the church in Antioch who were giving their time freely to ministering to the Lord, waiting upon him, worshipping him in prayer, and they were fasting. So they didn't want to be distracted by anything, not distracted by food, not distracted by any pleasures, legitimate pleasures. They were fasting. They had set aside time to wait upon the Lord. Not that it's wrong that those who labour in the gospel should not be paid. 
Paul insists that they should, although he himself chose to work with his own hands and for much of his ministry support himself. So here these men are ministering to the Lord and fasting and during that time the Holy Spirit spoke. This of course was not a sort of a, it was supernatural but it was not mysterious in the sense that a voice came out of the ether somewhere and said, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. No, this, the Holy Spirit would have spoken through one of the prophets because that is what prophets do. And I want to commend to you Paul has already mentioned Ignite. And we had some wonderful prophetic life group meetings. Well, I, I was privileged to be part of Paul's life group before it, it stopped recently, but we had some wonderful prophetic life group meetings when we heard from God. And I want to encourage you. Paul encourages us all in 1 Corinthians 14 to desire to prophesy, to desire to hear from God. And this is normal. So if you haven't been to Ignite yet, I would encourage you to go and learn to hear from God. Now, what God said through the Holy Spirit, through a prophet to this group, was very simple. First, first S, simple. It was easy to understand. It wasn't mysterious. It wasn't airy-fairy. It was a very simple message. Separate Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. And secondly, it was specific. It wasn't, again, that there are some people here who need to go and do the work of the Lord. No, it was separate Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. Paul the teacher, Barnabas the prophet. There was a contrast in ministry there. Now, Barnabas was a prophet. He was a seer. Because when Paul first got converted, the church in Jerusalem was afraid of him. But Barnabas saw what had happened. He saw something of the future that God had set Saul apart for. And he brought into the, the church in Jerusalem and said, this, this guy's okay. God has called him. And again, after Saul had gone to Tarsus and Barnabas had been sent by the church in Jerusalem 
to Antioch to encourage them and to help build them up, Barnabas then went and got Saul and brought him to Antioch. Barnabas could see things that needed to be done and he did them. Paul was the teacher, well-versed in the scriptures. And so when the Holy Spirit said separate Paul and Barnabas, it wasn't an off-the-wall thing. It, It wasn't something out of the ballpark. It was because they were already ministering together teaching the people, building the church up. They were already working. And it's significant that God said, through the Holy Spirit, separate them to the work that I've called them to. Because God doesn't call us to a position. You know, I grew up in a church where elders and deacons and deaconesses sat on a platform. And my sort of ambition was to get to a place where I could sit on the platform. Because I thought, these people, they've got a position. And of course, then you had the pastor who was sort of, his seat was sort of separate from the others. And he did most of the preaching. And so my ambition was to be a pastor, to do most of the preaching. (laughs) But God doesn't call us to a position. He calls us to some work. Separate Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. And God calls every one of us to work. He gives us grace to do that work. Paul says, to every one of us, grace is given. Every one of us, grace is given. Some are given grace to be apostles. Some are given grace to be prophets, to be evangelists, to be pastors, to be teachers. But those who are called to these work are called to build the body up of Christ so that they can minister. And so every one of us here this morning has been called and given grace to be a minister, to work in that which God has called us to. So after this simple and specific word, that the Holy Spirit had spoken, they separated Paul and Barnabas to the work that God had called them to. And they didn't send them off straight away again, but they prayed and fasted. And then they sent them, and it says, being sent by the Holy Spirit. Now, where should they go? Well, Barnabas seemed to be the leading one of the two at this time. And so 
No doubt he said to Paul, let's start in the place where I came from. It's good to start where you come from. It's good to start whatever work God calls you to, to start at home. And so they went to Cyprus and they preached the gospel throughout Cyprus. But it seems even here in Cyprus that Paul begins to take the lead. When the Holy Spirit spoke and said, separate Paul and Barnabas, it wasn't sort of something that took them by surprise. Because when Saul was converted, God said, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. I'm going to show you how much you will have to suffer for my namesake. And before he went away to Tarsus, he was in Jerusalem. And God said to him, get out of here because they're not going to listen to you. And I will send you to the Gentiles. So Paul already knew what his calling was. And Barnabas had seen it and teamed up with him. And so it was a very obvious thing for the Holy Spirit to speak and say, separate Paul and Barnabas. Maybe that the Lord has called you to a work. There will come a time when the Holy Spirit speaks and give the green light for you to go ahead and do that work. Maybe you're still in a time of preparation, as Saul was in Tarsus, having the gospel revealed to him through the Old Testament scriptures that he was very well versed in. And there's always a time of preparation, but there's always a partnership as well. We see Moses and Aaron, Moses the prophet, Aaron the teacher, We see Nehemiah and Ezra. Ezra the teacher. Nehemiah the prophet with the prophetic vision of building the wall. We see Joshua and Zerubbabel. Joshua the priest, the teacher. Zerubbabel who God spoke to and said, It's by my spirit, says the Lord, that you will do the work. When God is building, he will use multiple ministry and not a one-man ministry. And thankfully, the church, generally speaking, has moved away from what was in the past and is moving more in what the Holy Spirit is directing. And I'm Glad, so glad that God has put me in a fellowship that seeks to be led by the Spirit and also by the Word. Through the prophets and the teachers and the evangelists and the other ministries. So if you feel that God is speaking to you about a work... 
It may not be time yet for God to give you the green light. Just wait. All this time of preparation is not wasted time, not at all. But maybe the Lord is saying to you right now, I want you to go. Is giving you the green light. Maybe you'd like to pray about that with somebody. Maybe you'd like to, really like to talk to the leadership of the church about it. Because God has a work for every one of us to do. So if you feel, well, I'm not really doing anything, I'm not really involved. God has ministered grace to you to get involved, to help build the body of Christ because it's built by that which every joint supplies. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you for all the different ministries in the church. Thank you for the encouragers. Thank you, Lord, for the prophets. Thank you, Lord, for the evangelists. Thank you for the teachers. Thank you for the pastors. Father, thank you for everyone. Father, we thank you for everyone in this fellowship. And may everyone do the work that you've called them to. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.